Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Spirit Reports of Life After Life by Alan Kardec. We are gathering every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, to study alongside and with the help of Alan Kardec. We're basing our study on Heaven and Hell, the second part of Heaven and Hell, which gifts us with amazing spirit reports. It's like reality TV, very exciting stories for us to learn of how we can prepare ourselves for our transition, which is inevitable, and our life after life, and of course, the next incarnation. We learn from these spirit reports of what to do and what not to do and hopefully to avoid in this lifetime. And we have been spending our time with friends who, were, who are suffering spirits in the last few weeks. And it is so much gratitude to Kardec Radio that allows us to meet here, to study together in this international study group, Spiritist Center. I want to say, where we can exchange ideas and pass on the teachings and share our experiences. Uh, last few days I've been driving a lot and what a blessing. It doesn't, words don't describe my gratitude to Kardec Radio for being able to listening to listen to so many educational and uplifting stories. The good news, nourishing the souls. And here we are, friends. I see friends joining the beautiful classroom. There's Tony. So nice to see you, dear friend. Thank you for joining us. And there is several more, and I have not seen your names yet. So pardon me if I don't mention your names. It's only because I don't see you listed here. So let us begin. Today, we will be studying Claire. Claire is a suffering spirit. And Claire appeared, was evoked about eight times. So since her case is pretty long, we decided two weeks. So today we will be doing her first three invocations. And then next week we will continue on and finish off with the last few. So if you like to follow along, Heaven and Hell, page 372, A Suffering Spirit, Claire. All right, friends, let us begin. This was in 1861, and Alan Kardec does not give us real clarity as to how much after her passing um, Claire appeared or was, was evoked, so we don't have all that information. But let us see. We will be focusing and studying one of the miss, um, how should I say, one of the illnesses that. And I want to take the liberty to say that we are all suffering from on this planet to varying degrees. But it is a planetary illness and Claire is suffering from it. And we are invited to open our hearts and minds tonight to her suffering. Because when we really feel her suffering in our hearts, I think I want to postulate we will work hard to avoid this particular illness or to work on minimizing it in our future, in our, in our days to come. So let us see what that is, friends. So Claire, she was 
she was tormented and she was experiencing her own personal hell after her discarnation. She was dominated by an exaggerated sense of pride and self-centeredness. And here we go, friends. It is selfishness, pride and selfishness that we will be focusing on today and most and foremost understanding her suffering. Reflected in her uh, uh, third communication especially, wherein she expects the medium to pay attention only to her. So she's passed on, she doesn't have a body any longer, and she still displays in her first three in communication, in particular, very strong traits of self -centered. She calls herself the unfortunate Claire. What would you like me to tell you, she asks. And she says, resignation and hope are no more than mere words to those who know that their sufferings will last throughout interminable centuries, as innumerable as the pebbles on the seashore. She says, resignation and hope are no more than mere words. So hope does not cut it for her. It doesn't help her, she says, and resignation neither. Now, how do we, friends, do you remember? We find the definition in the gospel according to spiritism. And there we learn that resignation is the surrender of the heart. And obedience, which is covered in the same chapter, is the surrender of the mind. It's understanding. Make, it makes sense that we will obey. And then resignation is one step deeper. It lies in our hearts. And neither resignation nor hope are working for her at this point in her suffering. So she knows her suffering is interminable. She does not know when it ends. And if we really feel our way into that, if we don't know, those of you who have been sick, I've been sick several times, really seriously sick. And when we are in the middle of an illness, we have no idea whether it will ever end. And we have no idea if we believe it will end or if we hope it ends, when that will be. That in itself is tremendous suffering. And now let us imagine her. She has no idea at this point how and whether her suffering will end and how she could put an end to it. Then she says, so in your narrow minds, try to understand what a day that lasts forever is like. A day that lasts forever. Can we imagine that, friends? It is a day, a year, a century, she, she asks. What do I know? Time isn't divided into hours and the seasons don't change. Eternal and slow, like water dripping from a rock, this abominable day, this cursed day weighs upon me like a lead pall. I am suffering, she says. I see only silent and indifferent shadows. I am suffering. Can we feel her suffering? This is our invitation to really feel her suffering. Can we imagine how a day is that will never end? We're blessed here on earth to have day and night. There is a rhythm. We have seasons. We know that at a certain time we get tired and we have the gift of sleep. We can go to bed and for a moment check out and not have to keep thinking and, and working on during the day. We always get a reprieve. 
It's like being in labor for those of you who are ladies listening. We always get a break in between the contractions. And that is kind of life. We always get a break. But now when we have discarnated, there is no break anymore. And if these days that last forever, and we don't know for how many hundreds of years, or maybe just days, and we have no idea that there is ever any rhythm to it, and we're suffering, that is pretty bad, isn't it? So then she says, I struggle and drag myself around like some dirt crawling along the path. And all of this, dear friends, because of selfishness and pride. It is not that Claire committed a crime and killed anyone per se. She was selfish and prideful and it resulted in so much suffering for her. Now, when we go to the, to the gospel, chapter 11, there is a whole chapter that is dedicated to a sub-chapter of uh, chapter 11, which is loving one's neighbor as oneself. And Ellen Kardec um, dedicates it to, um, no, it's actually by Pascal, who is a spirit, a spirit, and it is dedicated to selfishness. We won't read the whole chapter, but we're going to pick out a few things so that we may reflect it back on us and hopefully at the end ask ourselves a question about our own selfishness and pride. Because it is not enough that we just listen to suffering spirits and understand the concepts. The most important thing is where are we at with selfishness? So we learn selfishness that plague on humankind must disappear from the earth, whose moral progress it hinders. Selfishness is the target at which all true believers must aim their weapons, their strength and their courage. So we learn that selfishness must disappear from the earth. Why must selfishness disappear? It hinders us. It is the biggest stumbling block in our moral transformation, which is one of the most important things here on earth for us. We have two wings to evolve. One is the wing of knowledge, which is more linked to our intellect. And the other wing is our moral transformation. Emmanuel teaches us that in Thought and Life, in the beautiful book, Thought and Life, in one of the first chapters in that book, I think it's education, um, the name of the chapter. So these are two different wings and only if we develop both wings can we soar. And here on earth, we are more developed in our intellect than in our moral development. So we must understand that we need to practice, to need to eliminate selfishness and pride in us. And he says that we need courage to do that. And let us see why he says that. I say courage because more courage is needed to overcome oneself than to overcome other people. Isn't that the truth, right? We are so good in analyzing other people. We can avoid other people. We're always busy looking outside of us. But how often do we look inside? Well, one of the most important things for us to start on our moral transformation is what? What is, where does it all start? In knowing ourselves. Know thyself, 
was already already being advertised, I want to say, in the ancient times. The Oracle of Delphi had inscribed, Know Thyself. And they knew how important it was, it is, for us to get to know ourselves, which is something rather challenging. Why is it so challenging to get to know ourselves? And why do we not spend much time with that? Well, first of all, because we need courage. It is not easy to look in the mirror and say, oh my gosh, this, that, and the other. And then we have blind spots. There are cobwebs. There are, there are this wool over our eyes because it is so painful to see our own shortcomings that we don't like to focus on them. We avoid them. We don't look. We don't even see them. So what are the best ways to get to know ourselves, which is really the beginning of our self-transformation. It is our nightly review that St. Augustine mentions both in the Spirit's book as well as in the Gospel according to Spiritism. He tells us we should have a nightly review every night to go over the day and evaluate our thoughts, our speech, and our action. And how do we know whether we've done good or whether we were more unconscious? Well, our conscience. Our conscience helps us to understand whether we have done well or not. The other day, let me tell you a story. The other day, every morning and every evening, my little sweet dog takes me for a walk. And during this walk, we meditate and we pray. And one of these days, just recently, I had something in my life that was causing me some pain, some difficulties. And so I asked my mentor, my mentor is mentor call. And I said, how am I going to deal with this? I would like to just go. And so mentor call said, do you remember that beautiful song that your cardiac radio friend, Vanessa Anzalone, Dr. Vanessa Anzalone used to sing? It's the song that goes as follows. And now I'm doing a pre-warning. I hope you're sitting down. I'm not a singer. I'm not good at all at singing. So please forgive my weird singing. And um, if you're driving, please be careful or turn off the volume. But I'm going to do it. So the song goes as follows. I love and approve of myself in ways that are pleasing to God. I love and approve of myself in ways that are pleasing to God. So mentor calls it sunshine, sing that song. Do you remember? So love and approve yourself. Don't look for approval from others. Don't wait for others to tell you that you've done the right thing. You know yourself, love and approve yourself based on the approval of God. But then I said mentor call, so how do I know the difference? Maybe I'm just approving of myself and maybe I'm not doing the right thing. And he said, well, remember, you have a conscience and God's laws are written where sunshine. And I said, well, in my conscience, he said, so you know whether you are doing something that's pleasing to God or not, because you know in your conscience. So just ask yourself, how does it feel? And after I did that, I was so grateful. 
I was so grateful because I got the message. We have to do is check in with ourselves. And as long as what we are doing is not only good for us, and here is the selfish, here is how it ties into selfishness, but it's good even for other people. We know we're pleasing God. Yes, friends. Thanks for listening to my story. So we need courage to get to know ourselves. We need to do the nightly review because it's difficult for us to know whether we're doing the right thing. Let all of you therefore make every effort to fight selfishness within you for that monster that devours all minds, that child of pride, is the source of all the miseries of this world. It is the source of all miseries in this world. Isn't it amazing that the common denominator disease in this world is selfishness and pride? So how can we not work on that daily to reduce that urge, that unconscious desire to be self-absorbed and only focusing on ourselves? The golden rule is another running thoughts, words and actions through to know whether we are doing the good, we're serving God, that we're pleasing to God. So so it so selfishness and pride are the miser are the source of all the miseries of this world, friends. It is the negation of charity and consequently the greatest obstacle to human happiness. We can't be charitable unless we release some of our selfishness. Uproot selfishness from the earth can ascend the scale of the worlds. And here is the other thing. It's not only good for us to be less selfish and to become more charitable, more benevolent, indulgent and forgiving, but it helps the whole world. We know so much that we are in this beautiful age and, and hours and years of transition. So to help this world, this our beautiful blue planet, to become a planet of regeneration, we need to most and foremost release every single day a little bit more of our selfishness, to be more of service. Yes, friends, without charity, there is no salvation, we learn in the gospel according to spiritism. Yes, friends. Selfishness and pride and back to our Claire. Claire is suffering. She has no break from her suffering. Days and nights are all equally long. She doesn't know how, when it's ever going to end and how to put a stop to it. Let us go back to her, her second invocation. She says, my increases every day. Can we imagine? She's already suffering that much just because she was a selfish individual. It increases as many grasp on eternity develops within me. She is now more and more understanding the concept of eternity because she's suffering through day, so-called day and night. It is an endless day. And so now she's losing hope, it seems like. Oh, misery, she says, how much I curse you. You guilty times, times of selfishness and forgot all charity. She forgot all charity. She was just worried about herself. Now let us ask a self-examining so-called therapeutic question. Thanks 
to Vanessa Anceloni, Dr. Vanessa Anceloni, who led us so many times through these therapeutic questions, which was so helpful, friends, right? Where are we in terms of our selfishness? If we look at a scale from zero to 10, where do we find ourselves? You don't need to share, only if you like. But let us take this question in our meditation. Let us look and see, am I a three? and I have a lot of more work to do to become less selfish. And how can I become less selfish? Or am I a nine on everything I'm doing? I'm running through the golden rule and I spend my day looking to be of service. Let us see, maybe in our nightly review tonight, we can ask ourselves this question in the privacy of our own bedroom <laughs> and see where are we at and let us be honest. Because one thing Claire is teaching us, we don't want to suffer like her, right? Uh, we don't. We definitely don't. So we're doing our best to reduce our selfishness and pride. And selfishness and pride always come together. So then she says, Vain are concerns for material interests. <clears throat> material interests. I wither away from the incessant regret for the time I wasted. Do you remember, friends? We've had that before. And even most of the so-called mediocre spirits are consumed by regrets. Regrets of wasted time. Time is a divine talisman, as we learn in Jesus in the home, because it is a gift from God that we've all received. And we don't know the little package that we receive when we incarnate. How big is our package? For some, it's really, really small. So we need to make the most of it. And for others, it's really big. But even then, we need to make use of it as economically and efficiently as we can. We don't know how much longer we will be alive, right? Our package could be really, really small. And since we're learning now, we may want to make the most of it. Lisa, thank you so much for joining, dear friend. So lovely to see you. Thank you, thank you. So regrets of having time wasted and regrets are painful. We even know it from being incarnated. It is not pleasant to feel regretful. Watch yourselves constantly, advising us, love others more than yourselves. Wow, that is not easy, is it? How much do we love ourselves? Most of us have, are having a hard time loving ourselves, accepting ourselves. That is what I was grappling with this week on our walks. And that's when I learned, I remembered the song, I love and approve of myself in ways that are pleasing to God. This is where it all starts. If we do not love and approve ourselves, how can we love and approve others? And now we're being asked to love others more than ourselves. Love God above all else and your neighbors as yourself. That sums up the law we learn. So loving God above all else and our neighbor as ourselves, well, we are all children of God. And when we love our neighbors, when we love ourselves, we love God. And when we love God, how can we not love ourselves and our neighbors? Because we're all children of God. It all fits together, friends. 
Watch you simply, she says. Don't delay your progress on the path of the good. Let us not delay our progress on the path of the good, she implores us. And then she says something very important as well. Don't pamper your body at the expense of your soul. Let us pause, dear friends. How often do we, another therapeutic question we could ask ourselves, how often do we pay more attention to our physical bodies than our soul? How often we spend our day just nourishing our physical body through sleep, through rest, through massages, through manicures and pedicures, through haircuts and makeups, makeovers, through food and drink, and the list goes on, right? But how much time do we spend on nourishing our souls every single day? And we know cardiac radio, nourish our souls, right? That is one way to nourish our souls, to tune into cardiac radio. And there are others. We can read books, which always elevate our senses, particularly books, spiritist books that are come from spirits on high, that are educational, helping us in our inner transformation. But meditation and prayer are also ways of nourishing our souls. Being of service is nourishing our souls. Being less prideful and selfish, hence being more charitable, is also nourishing our souls. So let us take that question also into our nightly meditation, in our daily review and ask ourselves, how much time did I spend today nourishing my soul? It is vital, friends. And our dear Claire is confirming that to us. Lisa, it's pure joy watch and learn with you. Dear friend, it is so lovely to have you here. It is pure joy to have you here. Thank you so much. All right, so let us go back to our dear friend here. Now she says, don't pamper your body at the expense of your soul. So we check, check. We will pay attention to that now moving forward. Watch yourselves, just as the Savior preached to his disciples. So that is the second invocation. And now she appears again, number three. And she starts, and this is funny. Since you seem to have forgotten me, I have come looking for you. We can see she still has self-absorbed traits. She's asking, she has the need to have more attention, which is another form of selfishness. And that is another question we can ask ourselves. How often do we go into groups, to parties, to gatherings, outside of our home when we run and meet people, meeting with our friends, how often do we go and meet other people with the intention to give of ourselves rather than with a desire to get something from others? Because if we predominantly meet others because we want to get something from them, some kind of a um, advantage to nourish something in us that's lacking, like being almost like an energy vampire, that is a sign of selfishness. That means we, our hearts are not functioning at the highest degree because ideally we wake up in the morning 
and we're asking God to guide us to be more of service. And when we meet our friends, our co-workers, if we go to gatherings or parties, ideally we set the intention prior to this of how can I be of service? How can I make a difference in other people's lives rather than what can I get from others? Right? But look, our friend, she's still selfish in her third evocation. She wants energy. She wants attention. I roar with pain, she says. I wander about without repose, without refuge, without hope, feeling the eternal dagger of punishment stab into my rebellious soul. Wow, how dramatic. Are we feeling her pain? Can we sympathize and empathize with her situation of how much she suffers? She has no repose, no refuge. <coughs> Excuse me, friend. <coughs> she feels an eternal dagger and she feels punished. Now, we know that there is no punishment because God is all loving, just and good. So there is no punishing God. And we know one thing is, it's her consciousness that turns it into punishment. But we also know that Ellen Kardec's books were written at a time where the consciousness was a little bit different. Punishment was still a term that was used more readily. Today we know that there is no punishment. It doesn't, it doesn't fit with a loving God. But what there is, is the law of cause and effect. So whatever we emanate is what we receive back. So since she was emanating, since she was expressing selfishness, which is a painful way of going through life, she was not being of service, there was causing herself and others pain. The effect is painful in her afterlife. So that is what she coins punishment. It is just feeling the effects of her actions. Then she says, I laugh when I listen to your complaints. Now she's talking to us and our complaints. When I see you sad, what are your ephemeral miseries? What are your tears? What are your torments that sleep abates? Do I sleep? Do I? She says, I want to. Do you understand? So she wants a break. Our dear Claire is suffering. We have no idea how quickly it will pass. It is hard, isn't it, friends? But even if we have the flu, we still have the night and hopefully some hours of rest. Claire is not gifted with that anymore because once we've excarnated, that is not the case. She says, I want you to leave your philosophical meanderings and pay attention to me. Isn't she funny, friends? Are we like this? Are we going to people, calling them up, indirectly saying, pay attention to me? I am suffering. I want you to listen to me. I don't want to hear about you. No, listen to me. This is how, how our friend Claire is. She has not quite shed her shell of selfishness yet. I have make others pay attention to me. And then she says, make others pay attention to me. She is suffering and she wants to alleviate, eliminate some of her pain. You know, when we are in pain and we call up a friend and we just want to discharge, which is like the more modern term, that is when we just rave and rant. That's what she has a need for because it sometimes helps us unload 
our pain on others. So then we have a little interpretation by St. Louis. St. Louis says that this picture is complete in two and um, is by no means exaggerated. So her suffering is by no means exaggerated. Um, and we might ask ourselves, why is she really suffering so much? Why is she so <clears throat> miserable? Because she hasn't really committed any horrible crime. And she didn't rob or murder anyone, right? No, no, she didn't. But she did nothing justice. She did nothing against human justice. <laughs> but what is human justice? Human justice is not equal to divine justice. Our human justice system is not perfect. It is not 100% aligned with the divine justice. And divine justice asks us to be charitable. To use the golden rule is a perfect expression of divine justice. That means we do unto others as we would like them to do unto us. And not screw attention to me. Come on. Just me, me, me. Me and again me. Right, friends? No. So she didn't do anything against human justice. Because selfish behavior is sanctioned in, in a way. By society even to a point then when we do the good and, and our friends find out that we spend more time being of service than partying and getting together they tell us sometimes well I mean don't you know how to have fun isn't it your time to do something for yourself right have we heard that before yeah our, our um, consciousness is very much wrapped up in serving ourselves first so then um, St. Louis continues, she was self-centered. So her so-called crime was self-centeredness, but it wasn't a crime before human justice. She had everything except a good heart. So she was apparently a woman who was well endowed with many different gifts in her lifetime, except for a good heart. She broke no human laws. She broke God's because she forgot the first of the virtues. And what is the virtues of all virtues, friends? Charity. All the virtues are included, all the virtues. Once I downloaded them, they're pages long. There's pages of virtues. But the highest virtue, the virtue that includes all of them is charity. And we know how but the spirits on high, um, in the spirits book, define charity as it is benevolence towards all which is goodwill towards all and it starts in our thinking in our minds and it's in dull imperfections of others which means always seeing the good always seeing the good in everyone and everything and everyone always has something good we just need to play Sherlock Holmes get the flashlight out and look at the situation and the people and boom there it is there is a light there's something good and then we can focus on that and lastly, forgiving, forgiveness, forgiving the trespasses and incomprehensions of others, which is vital. So let us see. So she uh, forgot the first of all virtues, namely charity, because she was selfish and prideful. She loved only herself. And now no one loves her. She gave no one anything. And now she's given nothing. She finds herself isolated, 
forsaken, abandoned, lost in the emptiness of space where no one thinks of her or is concerned about her. That is what comprises her torment. As we think and speak and act, we emit. And what we emit, we attract. So if we only think about ourselves, we will have no friends. We will not be taken care of. If we don't take care of others, we won't be taken care of. If we, what is the other example? If we do not help others, we won't be helped. It is the law of attraction. And now, after her discarnation, her action that she's had during her lifetime are cast. She is now at the receiving end of her own actions. And sometimes it takes that long. So let us not forget that, friends. Having only sought worldly pleasures, our Claire, that are no longer there for her now, only emptiness surrounds her. So worldly pleasures when we only go and want to go out to eat and drink and party and buy new things and go on vacations and buy new houses and buy, buy, buy more and more. Well, with us friends, right? That is taking care of our physical lives, but it's not nourishing our soul. And only nourishing our soul is something eternal that won't be taken away from us. What we emit, we attract. So she sees nothingness, which seems eternal to her. And that is her pain because there's no day, no night. It's all one long suffering. She does not suffer any physical torture though. No demons come to torment her, which is something good, right? At least that. But that is unnecessary since she is tormented by herself. She's her own demon, friends. She's her own worst nightmare. And that is what is most painful to her. For if demons did torment her, at least they would be paying attention to her. Isn't divine justice so golden? So here is someone who wasn't charitable, didn't take care of others, and didn't pay attention to others, but just herself. Now God, divine justice, does not grant her to have any demons who would pay attention to her. Now she's in complete solitude. That's her demon, her own demon, her own pain. That's all she's left with. Wow, it is amazing. It's amazing. God is amazing. It's just we're so humbled and so impressed. It is just amazing. So the law of cause and effect is something that Claire is suffering from. Now, in closing, we have one other type uh, um, uh, part again by St. Louis and that is the study of Claire's communication and we we're just picking out a few things and on page 378 at the end of this chapter and remember friends next week we will there's more to her we only are talking about three invocations there will be three to four more next week where there's more aspects she's suffering from selfishness and pride is really the most important but there are some some side things that are going on with her and we will be it's going to be exciting and lots to learn from her she's a good case so here's what st louis tells us about her also he says one of the most common aspects of life on earth is selfishness and we said that earlier
common disease, I want to say. They do not portray the great crimes that terrify even the most perverse individuals, but rather the condition of a huge mass of individuals who live in this world. And these individuals, we, are honored and venerated solely for having covered them ourselves with a certain veneer, while separating ourselves the repressive inconvenience of societal law. Friends, how many of us are looking beautiful, well-dressed, well-mannered, wealthy, intelligent, we're putting on a good act. Most of us are really good actors. Even if we think we're not, we are. And what is going on behind all of that? All the warts and oozing wounds, the selfishness wound in disease, the fever that's running us, we're hiding it. And some of us are really hiding it well. And that's why human laws are not very foolproof with this. But the divine law, eventually, we will not be able to hide those sores of selfishness any longer. So we might as well look deep, hard and deep and honestly at us and say every single day I am going to do my nightly review and I'm going to examine my actions, my words, my speech and most and foremost my thoughts because it all starts in our thoughts, right friends? So let us continue. These individuals, namely us, will not encounter exceptional punishments and shuddering sights in the spirit world, but a simple situation instead, one that is natural and in keeping with the state of their soul and the way they used to live. And that is what our Claire is suffering from. There's nothing elaborate about her state of suffering. It's just simply her lack of care that she, ex in, that she expressed during her lifetime is now coming to haunt her. Simple, but it matches her situation, her consciousness level perfectly. It's the perfect torture for her. Isolation, abandonment, and helplessness are the punishment for those who have lived only for themselves. And we are invited to um, replace the word punishment with consequences, the effects. So isolation, abandonment, and helplessness are the effects for, of those who have lived only for themselves because the cause was the, was the um, selfishness. It was this lack of care for others was the cause and the effect is the isolation, abandonment, and helplessness that she is being haunted with by right now. As we have seen, Claire was a highly intelligent spirit, but she had an arid heart. She had a filbert as a heart. Do you guys know what a filbert is? Well, a filbert is this little hazelnut. It's tiny, tiny. So if we have a little hazelnut as a heart, we know we need to work on it. Right, friends? We may need to soften it, make, make it grow so it is a big, big spongy mushroom, a beautiful flower. That is much better, right? Not a seed. But we let that seed of our heart sprout into a beautiful, fragrant flower, a rose. So then we, we continue. Her societal position, her wealth, and the physical gifts she enjoyed on earth attracted praise that gratified her vanity and satisfied her. Friends, are we like her? 
are we gifted in and endowed with all this and because we are not suffering much we think we deserve it and don't care much about others are we like that friends now she only finds indifference and emptiness surrounds her a punishment more poignant than physical suffering because it is humiliating so the so-called punishment is the consequence it's the effect and it is humiliating for her perfect right friends because in order for us to be become charitable we need to humble ourselves selfishness and pride are the antidote to being humbly humbled to being humble so we need to learn to be more humble in order to become more charitable and this is what she's learning by being tormented by isolation and abandonment yes friends what we're also realizing here is that there are the immediate effects of our thoughts and words and actions right as we think we emit and we attract but now we're also seeing and learning about the long-term effects so if we spend a lifetime of emitting lack of care selfishness well it's not only in the moment that it comes back it is actually like a long-term effect we may for decades or centuries in our afterlife from the effects of, of our actions in our lifetimes so this concludes our study tonight dear friends we are invited we're invited to remind ourselves of the nightly review to look deeply into our hearts and minds to see where are we still selfish where is our heart still a little seed a little filbert that we need to water every single day by becoming a little bit more charitable a little bit more helpful a little bit more focused on other people because remember we our goal is to love others more than ourselves or at least equal to ourselves and love God above all else dear friends if you can if you're in a position to close your eyes let us complete our tonight's study session with a prayer connecting renewed with God and our beloved Jesus our guide and model our guide and model of charity service teaching of loving kindness we're asking for support in the week to come for us to practice charity with renewed commitment allowing ourselves to align our will more and more waking up in the morning with our prayers in our, in our minds and on our lips asking for guidance to become more charitable guidance of how we can serve God better in our daily practice fulfilling our duties by doing the good and even going further of being charitable beyond our fulfillment of the duties every single day. Please allow us to tune our radio station to God's guidance, 
to Jesus's presence of love and service. It is with so much gratitude in our hearts for this beautiful lesson that Claire gives us to nourish our soul, for us to focus on more on our inner transformation towards benevolence, indulgence, and forgiveness. And with this, we're closing tonight's study session. Thank you, friends. Thank you for thank you so much for being here and helping us practice charity. So God willing, we will meet again same time, same place next week, Sunday, with the second part of our friend Claire. Good night, dear friends. Thank you for joining. Melissa, thank you so much. Lisa, Tony, and all the others whose names I don't see. Good night.